0: And now it's time for Cadaver
1: Classics. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Episode 6 of Cadaver Classics. I am Mike, and with all with me, as always... Man, that's a bad start to the show. Anyways, how you doing, Steve? Yeah, really.
0: We, it seems like we should practice or something.
1: Oh, come I, I, on. It,
0: it's hard to believe we've done this five times, and... <laughs> I <laughs> still can't get it fucking right.
1: Uh oh, it happens, dude. It, you know, plus uh I mean come on. It's a Sunday evening. We, we you know, our uh, weekends, I'm sure we're both just wild, wild and crazy. And uh man, I'm I'm just uh I'm surprised that I'm not passed out somewhere in a gutter with a uh, a dead hooker you know, strewn about me.
0: Yeah, cuz I I, th- I thought I saw you like snorting blow off that hooker's ass last night
1: (laughs) no Um, yeah 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 i did but um she actually owned a donkey and it was me and i was doing it off the donkey's butt oh was that the ass's ass well that's the kind of hooker she was the whole you know anyway i listen there are young impressionable people listening to the show i don't want to let them know my my uh my my evening my my late night, ty- uh, fun time stuff. All right.
0: Yeah, really. <laughs> I mean, another weekend to Tijuana. Sure. It's all
1: good. Utah, we're practically in Tijuana here. And yeah, you're
0: like the Tijuana of the Midwest, aren't you?
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, I would say that. I would, I would basically. That's how I would, I would describe Salt Lake. The, the Tijuana of the Midwest. <laughs> oh <laughs> uh, so how's it going man even though we've been talking about it for an hour
0: uh it's going well my friend
1: well, that's good i'm
0: exhausted it's been a hellacious fucking month but yep. we're here
1: yep that's right we're we are here uh-oh what happened oh
0: the apparently my cat thinks this is the drunken zombie show because she's decided to fucking play with the cables <laughs> so i don't
1: get the reference but i'm just teasing i do I love those guys in Drunken Zombie. They are so happy about their kitties.
0: They are, and that's why that's why I went and got one because I wanted to be like Brian. He's such a winner
1: Brian's that, like.
0: that I wanted to emulate him in every way possible. I,
1: I got me a cat. cat.
0: I got me a cat and a podcast, and oh. now I'm and now I'm cool like Brian.
1: Yeah,
0: and plus I've been censored now. So what? What? Yep. Uh, JAFMP is no longer available from the iTunes Store. <laughs> what? So.
1: Well, what happened? It's, I mean, it's got to be just some kind of a, some kind of an an over. Just they've overlooked some kind of technical issue. I'm sure, right? Uh,
0: I've checked my code and it is tight, son. So, I have to assume that they finally figured out what the F in JAFMP stands for. No, because I, because you can't have uh, profanity in the title of your show, according to the
1: you do not have it in um, the title of your show.
0: What do you think the F stands for, dude?
1: No, no, no! I always just thought it was Jaff.
0: Oh well, yeah, the, but that in in I
1: th- I thought that was I thought that was uh, the. Um, the, the Malaysian word for peace and love. Jack- you know,
0: it's it's actually the Belgian word for motherfucker. So
1: oh really oh so finally they hired a Belgian over there. Yeah, and this guy's like das is not gut. Mm. I don't know why I don't know why <laughs> Belgians speak like Germans. But do Belgians have their own uh, accents? I don't know. I don't even. Know. Hey, that
0: works for me. Belgians, Germans—it's all the fucking same. Once you get in that <laughs> little fucking block of fucking. Fascist countries, or whatever. I don't know if they're <laughs> fucking fascist. They, they, oh, may, well, they, they gotta may have be. found democracy.
1: they got to be. Well, no, they're they're not going to find democracy until the United States goes over there and makes them find it. Because that's what we do now.
0: That's what we do. We, we, uh, we give the gift of democracy to the world, whether they <laughs> want it or not.
1: Yeah. You know what? And, and basically, I, I know that uh, uh, the I, – I know I have personal – my, my source in this, cause I'm, you know, I'm a big, big, uh, foreign policy guy, uh, that basically right when everything works and everything's fine, we're about to leave. We hand a, um, uh, um, the opposing leader, a note that says nothing but suck it. You will love democracy. Peace out. And that's it.
0: I, I think that's in the UN charter actually.
1: Well, I, yeah, I, well, it didn't used to be till, you know, that's what we started to do.
0: Well, yeah, because if, if we're not going to do it, who is?
1: Well, plus we don't USA, care.
0: About- USA, USA, exactly. USA.
1: I was just going to say, it's not like we'd waste our time on non-oil countries like African, so, you know, some, some African countries, things like that. You know, they don't have oil. We don't care about their fascism down there. They got so. diamonds. Well, yeah, but I think... I- and that's
0: why we don't have a woman president is because we'd be at war with the fucking Africans.
1: Well, that and then that and we'd be at war with something once a month for two to three days,
0: yeah, each other, yeah, men
1: <laughs> plus plus, she couldn't like, yeah, it's like she couldn't like you know how sometimes the presidents like to visit states like Iowa and other and other farming communities they don't they don't want someone who is you know having their menzies around the animals, you know they'll 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 just start a stampede,
0: yeah, i actually, I hear menstruating women causes. Milk cows to uh, give sour milk <laughs> i don't know if' that's, oh, I don't know if that's true it's got to be true but I, but I'm willing to believe it because it's' well, uh, misogynistic
1: because men, well, I was going to say plus that menstruating women are scary in every other possible way, so might as well just add one more one more uh, myth to the already long list
0: yeah I, as a matter of fact, I think Lisa has made like milk in the fridge go fucking bad from out of state. Exactly. I'm sure. I'm sure. She, she, she could be on the road and like the second it starts, I've, I've like opened up the fridge and like even the milk, you can just see like cottage cheese forming. It's like, fucking,
1: that is so,
0: it's cr- like, oh shit. I'm going <laughs> to stay the fuck away from her when she gets home.
1: Nice dude. Oh, um, let me ask you something. Oh, please do. Now, you know, I don't, I don't, this is a touchy subject. Now it's you know so something that, that happens very often in the uh you know in the horror community horror online community and whatnot being on Facebook and being on twitter but um but it seems to be that there are you know you know how uh it used to be uh, another day another dollar now it's another day another five or six requests for funding to somebody's uh zombie book or zombie movie. Is that just me?
0: it must be just you
1: I <laughs> uh, listen I'm not I'm not like trying to get on people for trying to do things trying to uh, well it's not just zombie movie it's like horror projects all you know overall but oh my gosh it's like I, I probably you know realistically uh, there's probably three or four I've gotten in the last you know week or two. And, yeah, uh, I'm.
0: I'm actually having one of the one of the guys who's doing just that on the show. Uh-huh. But but as I understand it, his uh, his source material is actually award winning short story, which is why I decided to cut him some slack mm-hmm. and have him on the show.
1: Well, I'm interested. Yeah, like like like,
0: if... like I'm such a big fucking deal. Like right, uh, <laughs> you're, you're he's you he's going to get cut
1: some slack by Jaffump.
0: And... Oh, yeah. That's huge. <laughs> that, that is huge. It's going to be a big career boost for him. Uh, I mean, well, because here, because we've already thing. seen, you know, the Soska twins and Greg Nicotero are both up for Golden Cobb Awards this year. Oh, yeah. After appearing on the JFMP show.
1: That's huge.
0: So, yeah. So, obviously, I'm I'm a star maker. I don't listen, know, if you
1: know. Listen, I mean, is, I mean, are, are you done with that uh, little fantasy there? Yeah. I, okay, sorry. I just I just want to make clear that I'm not trying to be a douchebag about it. I understand why that people want to make these things and uh, people want to, you know, need money to do it. I just don't know who to choose and how much to give and, and blah blah blah. I don't know. I just uh, I mean the
0: the I, way, the way I see it is the, the most participation you're going to get from me is maybe some of my time. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Because I've I've seen how some of these movies turn out. I don't want to say I don't want to be supportive of independent film because I I am, and I'm coming more so the more good ones I see.
1: Well, and that, more supportive and I want rub. To be. That's but, the rub is is oh if you're not if you don't you know that's what they say support independent horror we're the lifeblood. Don't you know? I mean, and not everybody like tries to guilt trip you out of everything. But I don't know, man. I just uh, I feel kind of bad. People will just kind of. Come up and, well, not really, I mean, on Facebook, and ask you to join their thing and donate some money. It's just like, man, I don't know. There's just so many, there's so many projects. And, you know, now with the advent of, of, of sites like Kickstarter or Indiegogo or whatever, man, everybody and their dogs asking for money. I, I wish that they would just, that, that uh, you know, some of these projects would do something that would help me discern them from the rest of the pack. Because who knows? I'm sure a lot of these guys are talented and could do a great job. But I'm also sure that a lot of these guys will, you know, come up with bupkis. I use that word. Yeah,
0: and you're not even Hebrew. So no, congratulations. No, no. That's, that's very multicultural of you, well, Mormon you. boy. <laughs> yes. Do you, now, do you, so what would be the Mormon word for um,
1: Bull crap.
0: Oh, okay. Awesome. Okay.
1: But, you, but yeah, for, I
0: mean, for every uh, fucking dead hooker, there's going to be lethal obsession. Yeah. And that's what fucking worries me.
1: I don't know. Listen, I just, but, I know, guess part of it's, I guess, kind of my guilt. Not that I, not not really guilt, but I, I mean, I do kind of feel like I want to support the community. And yeah, it's easy to come out and talk about stuff, you know, on a podcast or, you know, on your website or whatever. But I mean, the rubber hitting the road is kind of the scratch, man. I've been very open to that kind of thing. Yeah, I just I just I mean I want to get a feel for it. I I want I mean I'm not talking just to you. If anybody, I, I you know kind of kind of out there, and if you actually listen to this, I'd be interested to find out. I do. How, how do people people who have who have donated? How did you decide? Is it if if you don't know the person? I mean, obviously I, I'll help people out mostly if I know them and stuff. But I mean, if it's you know if they're if it's their project and I don't know them from you know whoever you know the lethal obsession guy. Then, uh, which I like how we use that movie now is like the, it's like the, the lowest point of filmmaking ever. I just, I don't know. I don't know why I brought it up. I just want to see what, how people yeah. do it. If they do it, whatever. It's just uh man. I just need to find a way to figure out how to, how to kind of separate the wheat from the chaff as they say.
0: And honestly, how the fuck are you going to do that? Unless you're dealing with somebody that does have some kind of a track record. Right. Um, I don't know. It's a tough call, man. Um, personally, right. personally, I'm not giving any of them my fucking money.
1: <laughs> well, well, at least I'm. At least that makes me feel a little better. Listen, if uh, the illustrious Stephen from Jaffamp isn't doing it, I, I don't have anything to worry about. Yeah,
0: no, I don't need a fucking executive producer credit on your fucking film.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. I Never mind. I don't. I don't, I don't. I don't want. I don't want to like uh, insult anybody, but it's it's ugh. It's, it's just, diff, it's, well, it's difficult. Well, it's,
0: well, it's just, I mean, it's the same thing with fucking, you know, any fucking charity, you know, right. there's a thousand of them come by, you know, every year asking for this and that. And
1: well, and, you know, uh,
0: do you want to support, you know, breast cancer? Okay. Well, yeah, sure. <laughs> you know, right. You know, do you sure, want to,
1: exactly.
0: what about liver cancer? Well, yeah, I guess I'm against no, that the, too. Those
1: dudes are just screwed. Yeah. We, we don't give a crap about those guys. <laughs>
0: And then Haiti yeah. and Sri Lanka and every other Bam. third world fucking shithole. Yeah, I mean all that stuff. Yeah, it's like you can't give to everybody, so I just like don't give to anybody.
1: Oh, that that is that's a great one. Well, you know, it, well, me and my wife, we we give, I mean, we give some, you know, tax write offs and the like. But it's like, but it's like all these, all these. I don't know. Anyways, I don't... Well, no,
0: like the other day we were going but, through but Wendy's but the and they said, well, you donate a dollar to the fucking Salvation Army. And I was like, well, yeah.
1: Well, right. well, yeah.
0: You know, but as far yeah, as as yeah. as far as producing a fucking, you know, sending somebody $100 so they can make their movie, fuck it, I'll fucking make my own movie with my own money.
1: For a hundred bucks.
0: Yeah, for a hundred bucks. It'll be fucking awesome.
1: Well, you know, and I don't want to be a douchebag too, but it's like... Man, yeah. It's it's a for these guys working in this industry, I can see how it's a catch twenty two, man. It's like nobody will give you money unless you have something to back your 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 talent up to prove your talent or whatever. But uh, you know, you can't you can't make that piece without having some money. I I understand that completely.
0: No, and and that's where it's up to. I mean, not to be a dick, but it's kind of up to the filmmaker. To fucking figure it out. Right. I mean, fucking Sam Raimi fucking figured it out back in, you know, what, 78? Right. Yeah. Well, he a fig- lot of people figure fu- it, fu- it out now that they just out. throw
1: up an Indiegogo page. Yeah. And send you emails and shit.
0: Yeah. You know, but you're going to tell me you can't fucking get people together to make a fucking, you know, three-minute demo or something. So at least right. you've got an idea of what the fuck's going on.
1: Well, and you know and, what, too? You know,
0: uh, fucking send me a copy of the script, maybe I'll fucking consider it. But don't, I'm not not just going to fucking hand out fucking $100 bills because you were to be a fucking filmmaker. Not going to happen.
1: You, you know, and the, here, and, and here and I just thought of something. Uh, I I assume this is how it is everywhere uh, because, I mean, Salt Lake obviously is not the biggest market for, for, I think, this type of thing in the nation. I mean, and I say that jokingly because it's obviously not. But, um, you know, there are – we have filmmaking contests here. And um, I don't know if you know Brian from Hammockus. We're actually – this weekend, he is, he's running the 48-hour film festival mm-hmm. in, here in Salt Lake where, you know, it's, it's kind of like, you know, everybody has 48 hours to make a film. And, you know, anybody can enter. There's uh, – yeah I mean I I don't know I don't want to really talk about the rules of the the contest or anything like that but I mean it's things like that I mean you I watched some of these And last year during the Salty Horror Film Festival he did something similar called the Demon Chaser which is basically the same thing but with 72 hours to make it mm-hmm. it's like I was amazed at some of the films that came out of that for nothing you know and it's it's I would be more apt to to give to somebody you know something that I can see like that you know, something, oh, I made a three-minute, I made a three- to, you know, six-minute short about, you know, this or that for a film contest. And it's and it's funny that um, that popped into my head because I went to, um, I think, I can't remember their official site, the Soska Twins official site, like the Twisted Twins. Or yeah, something. Twisted
0: Twins Productions.
1: And uh, on their site, they had a bunch of little shorts that they put in for, for filmmaking contests like that, you know. And they were actually really funny you know there was there's a couple of them that were really good um, and it's like okay well i guess you know i don't know i mean i don't know if it's like that th- if that helped them be able to put together their movie or anything like that or if they saved up their own money but i remember hearing on your show that they made it for less than buying a used car you know
0: yeah they Which, i mean, they're still yeah you know, they still haven't been able to release the actual budget on it right. but yeah it was extremely fucking cheap and so it just shows that it, it can be done if you've got the if, if the old saying, you know, if there's a will, there's a way. Right. And, you know, I think it's good that the option is out there to fucking solicit over the web. Or you do something, what was it, the tunnel, where it was like you buy a frame of the movie for a dollar. That's right. And that's how they raise the money. I mean, there there's creative ways to go about it.
1: Well, and you also know that the, the tunnel is actually uh, giving people that for free. I went to their site, you know, and they're just like, oh, here's a, here's a, a torrent file, go ahead and download it, and if you like it, come back and, you know, give us some money, give us, you know, five, ten bucks.
0: Yeah, or buy the DVD for, exactly. I think it's only ten, fifteen bucks for the DVD.
1: Exactly, and it's but, like, okay, well, and they, I mean, they said it right there, that it's like, okay, so we're gonna, we're gonna take the money we make on this, and we're gonna put it into our next film. And it's yeah, like, and, the,
0: and that shows, I mean, I haven't got around to watching it yet, I do, I did, fucking grab that torrent and download the movie but it it takes a lot of fucking confidence to put it out there and say look you know we're going to give you the movie first and then if you like it come and buy it
1: you know what too and i wasn't gonna mention this but i did i gave 10 bucks to the tunnel just because it's like that's balls yeah that is that is some balls and plus it's like i mean how often how often like i mean me well i have a buddy who like sometimes downloads movies and uh, he watches them every once in a while. And, you know, these and, uh, you know, and if, you know, if this buddy likes it, he'll, he'll go out and buy it sometimes, sometimes not, you know, depending, whatever. But uh, it's like, instead of bitching about piracy, stuff like that, they just went out, they made their movie. And I don't know how they, how they made the money the first time. I think they just kind of got it together and did it. And uh, instead of that, they they decided, you know what, listen, if you like it, give us money. And it's like, wow, that's, I mean, that's pretty empowering to the, to the viewer, you know, that, that, I mean, I honestly, I don't, the tunnel to me may have just been another, uh, you know, another in a stack of 500 indie movies that I'm never going to get around to watching, you know, but, but this creative marketing and, and the and the, uh, I don't know, just the ambition they showed doing that in the balls, it's like, I'm going to check this out. You know, I mean that, that it kind of, I don't know if it just says, Oh, we're confident in our show or whatever, but it's like, you know, that's a, I mean, that's a, that's thinking. I I, th- I I. hope more people do that. More independent people do that just because it's like, you know, I really, I, I, you know, I wish them success and that's in essence why I gave them the 10 bucks, even though I didn't watch their movie yet.
0: Yeah. And what's the, what's the other one that's uh, the taint? I mean, it's what five oh, yeah. bucks to fucking download. Oh, I, I downloaded download. T- I downloaded
1: the high def version of the taint for eight bucks.
0: Was it eight for the high def? I didn't yeah. get the high def because, because I'm gonna burn it to DVD and yeah, uh-huh. you know, it's not gonna fucking matter. Sure. But yeah, fucking five bucks for. I the I haven't even watched that
1: yet either. Actually, I actually heard about it on I the watched, show though.
0: Yeah, I, I watched the first ten minutes and it looks like it's gonna be fucking hilarious. <laughs> really yeah so I'm anxious to get to it. I just haven't had the time right, so but yeah there there's good, all these good. all these fucking different things going on in the indie uh what's well, not really an industry I don't guess, but in right. the whole indie realm there's all these creative marketing things going on uh you know there's it's actually pretty fucking fascinating i I've really just had a blast diving into just you know the little bit that I have over the past three months.
1: Well, and I'll tell you what, as silly as it sounds, I think that for me and your interview the, of the Saska twins being, being kind enough and, and cool enough to come on your show, and they were just, they were so cool. You oh, know, the- and just spending that hour or whatever they did has – I mean I, uh, like I've ever – I mean I don't uh, – let's see. Me and uh, Johnny talked about it, but uh, it's it's like <laughs> – I didn't, I didn't really give that movie a chance, you know, in the beginning. And then I don't know if you heard that, but basically I was just, it was funny because I remember not liking the movie the first time and then realizing that I probably fell asleep for 45 minutes of it and didn't even realize it. Yeah. You know, it just was kind of late at night and you know, when you think you're watching a movie, but you're passing out and I, you know, whatever. But then I gave it another shot, which I never would have, if I didn't, if I hadn't have listened to your, your show. You know, and I mean, I don't I mean, obviously, podcasts aren't the most popular in, in, you know, media outlet, but it's something, man. You know, it's something that they were cool enough to come out there. And I. you have to give them credit for that. And you have to wish them luck. I hope they do well, because, I mean, we can say, oh, we kind of knew them when.
0: But what you the nice thing about the Soska twins, I mean, of course, there was probably about 45 minutes before we even started recording. Mm-hmm. And they—they're they're just genuinely that fucking cool. As a matter of fact, uh, <laughs> when the the tornadoes fucking were hitting all over the U.S. a few weeks back, uh-huh. they even sent me an email just to make sure that me and the kids were okay.
1: And sent me an email? Just kidding.
0: Yeah, because you're. That's dick. really cool. That's but, what? Yeah, but yeah, they're. <laughs> <Dick>. <laughs> But no, I mean they're they're just genuinely that fucking cool, and have like noticed on Twitter that like Follow Fridays, you know, they you know, put J F M P up there. Nice. I mean, it's, it's they're just genuinely that fucking nice, that fucking cool.
1: Well, and I don't know if you could say that. I think that's just their personality or, or the way they are. I don't I don't think you even have to be that cool, man. If you I if you I mean these tunnel guys I've never I like I said it's just that they were they're out there they they kind of put it up they let it all hang out they were they did something different and it's it's I'm impressed is I guess what it is
0: yeah I'm absolutely As regardless it, of how
1: good the movie is because I have no idea
0: yeah and that's the thing I haven't watched the movie but you know the, the second I found out about it. It was like, as soon as I get some free time, I'm going to give them a fucking yell and see, you know, see if we can't fucking sit down and talk to them. Because I think it would be fucking fascinating to find out what their mindset is on this. Right. Uh, Another one that's coming up. I don't know if you're, I don't know if you decided you can make it or not, but uh, Tom Bradensky. Oh, yeah. Yeah. uh, I don't know when it is. uh, Tuesday night we're recording. It'd be like Um, eight o'clock our time. So probably like six o'clock your time.
1: Ooh, I don't know. We'll, we'll figure out. We'll, we'll talk about that after the show. But but I actually just did a, an article on horrornews.net about uh, Tom, and, and uh, I ended up watching, uh, you know, the Italian zombie movie 1 and 2, and, uh, of course, his new one that just came out, the giant rubber monster movie. Um, and and it's, it's funny because, yeah, I mean, it's obvious that it's a micro-budget, but... It's it's just it's also as obvious that these guys are having fun. I always see Tom on Facebook or whatever talking about what horror convention he's at, you know, in, in meeting with the people and having met him last horror hound and talk with him for a little while. I think that's the best kind of press. Again, it's not like it's the best way to get to the most people, but I think it touches the people more uh, deep, more deep. Yeah, um, deep, deeper, deeper than, deep, than you know, than like a whatever. But still, I mean, obviously, I mean, it's not like Tom Berdinsky molested me. Is that is that how I made it sound? Weird. But um, he okay. he might
0: have, you know. I, I wouldn't or... put. I wouldn't put. You know, <laughs> Slipping your roofie past him. Sick. But
1: <laughs> no, but you know the fucking
0: Sasquatch thing. Oh yeah. But but yeah. no, I mean he's just you know, these these are. Genuinely nice fucking people yep. that just happen to be fucking filmmakers. Yep. And, you know, some of them more talented than others. Uh, of course, you know, I've got a great deal of fondness for the Soskas, great deal of fondness yep. for Berdinski. Yeah, they're great people, but they're also fucking very talented people putting out some very good work. Yep. And I, I think they understand that's kind of like a symbiotic relationship between you know, those of us that are fans uh, reaching out to other fans and by doing I, that, it does strengthen their fucking name.
1: I'd be and, interested to see how some of these people who have made independent micro budget films first got their films financed, you know, I mean, and when I say finance, I mean, hey, did I did did I can I borrow a camera? Hey, do you have this weekend off or whatever? Because it seems like that's how, you know, that's just how, how the way some people do it. Yeah, you um, do it when they can with what they can. You know,
0: yeah, max out their fucking credit cards or borrow the uh, money from know, their parents or you know
1: that would be rough, but man,
0: yeah, it's a, it's a fucking gamble. But if you got, I guess if you got faith in your talent yep. and faith in your project, then you know you're willing to take that fucking risk. Yeah, you know, you've got to have that passion, got to have the fucking balls to know that it might come back and fuck you in the ass. Yep, but you know if you've got the passion for it, then you're going to find a way to get it done.
1: Yeah. Anyway, I, I wonder if, uh, I wonder if there would be a a spot. I I don't know. Maybe there is one, but a spot where these people can kind of share with some of these guys who haven't got their first piece of work, you know, done or published or whatever. And, and, uh, just to kind of I don't know, kind of like how uh, Rodriguez did that book. And, you know, he's still... Yeah, Rebel Without a Crew. Yeah, and, I mean, I... you know, I brought that up the last couple episodes only because I, you know, it's so fresh in my mind. But- yeah, and there's
0: also the thirty dollars film school. Uh, there's that book that's floating around out there.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, Lloyd Kaufman's got his uh, DVD series and books. Make your own uh, damn, your own damn, your own movie, damn yeah. movie. So, so there are resources out there as far as you know, creative financing, uh, making you know these kind of guerrilla fucking movies.
1: All right.
0: Yeah, there, there, there's people out there that have been there. And are willing to share their fucking experiences. Yeah. And uh yeah, maybe that's something you might want to consider doing on uh Cadaver Indies. Get a couple of these guys together to fucking talk about that shit. Maybe. Maybe it
1: might be good. Speaking of that, uh Sam and I might put together a fun movie for it. Uh I just need to I need to raise some money to uh we need uh we need a set of thirty two dildos <laughs> and uh I need to finance that. So
0: Um I'm, I think I've probably it. got nine here
1: <laughs> uh, let's, let's just say though that once you quote unquote donate them you're not gonna want them back
0: oh well, never mind <laughs> actually you probably don't want used ones anyway
1: yeah uh no that's fine no we we're we're cheap i'm just uh, i think you. i
0: think most of ours are dishwasher safe so
1: <laughs> yeah just because they're dishwasher safe doesn't necessarily mean that they've seen the inside of one but anyway oh i, I digress <laughs> Anyway, man, sorry, sorry to take us on that tangent, man. I just no, that's I, it's, fine, man. Right, right before we got on uh, the, the the Skype, I uh, I got two people inviting me to hi. I gotta, I gotta, you know, they friended me on Facebook and they're like, hi, I gotta make some money for my movie. And it's just like, oh man.
0: Well, they heard oh, how how much money you're making off this podcasting gig, and they weren't their cut.
1: That's right, man. Yeah, because this I,
0: is such a lucrative venture.
1: Oh, well, because I'm sure there's so many people who just want to hear our asses talking. Actually, if they heard our asses talking and it was this clear, that might be something we could make some money off of.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That could be our new gimmick, the Asscast.
1: <laughs> I think I think we could actually switch to that name now, and it would still be <laughs> yeah, still it'd be, still be totally relevant. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, all right, man. Well, we got a couple of uh, of classics on deck for you tonight.
0: Oh, we gonna do that now?
1: Um. You know what actually let's let's do I I, I want I have because one thing. we
0: we you you know what we haven't done yet
1: Is it Oh are you serious we have a It's time blah, 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 blah. for ball talk No 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 right before this right, <laughs> oh, right I, before. Want, I, I want to say one thing real quick Okay It is 10:41 Eastern on Sunday night what what's it, what's the date June the 12th or something June something 12th. like
0: that June 12th
1: And I just I'm elated because Dallas is about to knock off Miami in the NBA Finals it, it, it's just kind of a bittersweet moment. It's a bittersweet moment because I know that there's no more sports that I'm going to be interested in watching till September 3rd when, when uh, the Cougars take on old Miss but uh, but I'm just really glad that Miami went down and if you don't if you like Miami you can suck it but anyways, awesome. Spending the
0: globe to bring you the latest in testicular news. It's time. Or ball talk. Let's get into it, dude. All right. Uh, well, speaking of sports, this is something fascinating. All right, you ready for this? I didn't sure. know this was possible. But uh, I was, let me ask I you, is this,
1: is this something that Johnny T
0: sent out? Oh, uh, no. This is uh, one that I just happened to find by accident.
1: Wait, wait, wait. You actually did some research for Ball Talk. Excellent.
0: Yes, because you know I'm. So proud I am, of you. I'm dedicated. Well, no, I'm dedicated to this fucking show. I know. I know it doesn't do. fucking sound like it. I just show up and you know. Sure, but no. Hey, listen, you watch two movies. I watched two movies and uh, fucking search for testicle on Google. <laughs> <laughs> so if that's, that isn't dedication, I don't know what the fuck is. Right. All right. So this time out for ball talk. This is sports related. Baseball season, I guess, is started. Yep. Fuck, I don't know. God, they don't have 160
1: baseball. regular season games a year. 160 some odd, So, yeah, I mean, it's basically always going except for in the winter.
0: Yeah, except for like two weeks in December. It's baseball exactly. season. Mm-hmm. There's this little thing called guess the baseball injury. <laughs> All right. And here it is. Former Cubs catcher Michael Barrett did indeed suffer a fractured testicle. Oh on September 2nd, 2006 and missed the rest of the season. Now, this fucking stunned me because I didn't know it was possible to, to fracture, fracture a, a testicle. No, yeah. I've heard of testicles rupturing. I've heard of testicles being bitten off, obviously, but <laughs> and uh, fracturing. So, I had I had to look this up and so I jumped onto Yahoo Answers, the <laughs> repository for the repository for all information
1: Exactly.
0: So now this is this is what someone said, and I don't know whether or not this is fucking true. But this, this sounds fascinating. Are you ready?
1: I am, I am. I was born ready for this story.
0: Okay. Suspended in the scrotum, a skin pouch below the penis, each testicle <laughs> oh, is. Thank so, you. Well, just in case you were wondering, okay. you know where your testicles were, because you right. mine tend to float around a bit. <laughs> Weird. Yeah, sometimes they're like in the small of my
1: back. No. <laughs> Dude the, I, I hate to be the one to break it to you, but man, you need to hit the you need to go to the doctor if it's really floating around in the back. Man, that's wicked.
0: Yeah, sometimes sometimes it's like what is that? Oh, my kidney swollen up? No, it's just my enormous <laughs> testicle. All right.
1: Oh excellent.
0: Alright, but are you ready for this? Each testicle uh, is surrounded by the tunica albunginia, a tough, fibrous covering that often takes the hit of trauma to the gland. Oh. Like the shell of an egg, it can easily be fractured or shattered when confronted by a blunt or violent Ooh. force. So yes, you can crack your balls like an egg. Appar- wow. Apparently.
1: Wow. Well, so that's why the that's why the Spanish called them huevos.
0: Yes. Exactly. <laughs>
1: did you just say exactly exactly exactly
0: (laughs) yeah that was horrible i've been watching like old batman (laughs) vincent price yeah nice so yes i never knew that you could fracture your nuts
1: that that is news to me as well i mean i'm glad that you know all my years on this earth that's never happened to me you know what though as as am i you would think that you're happy that I haven't fractured mine. Thanks, I, I do appreciate it.
0: Well, I, I worry you about your nuts.
1: Oh well, because well, you're a caring and loving fella.
0: I am. As a matter you know, of fact, whenever we're together, I nestle them gently.
1: I don't like this. I don't like this. Like a mommy bird. Well, let me ask you something. Okay, so I understand. I understand that they're like wear protective cups. You know, being the catcher, played catcher growing up. You know, and and uh, you know, I always had to deal with the yeah. We we bow legged because you know you're. The, I always had to go for the smallest size of cup, and it still was too big. So, well,
0: know. Sam, Sam did tell me that you were the catcher. So, yeah, that's and, and that's he true. He, uh,
1: he was the first baseman because he's left-handed, but I don't, I don't know how that works sexually. <laughs> so anyway, uh, uh, anyway, I think you uh, only get
0: a first baseman And a threesome, dude.
1: Uh, I don't know. Okay. Oh, that makes a lot more sense now. Yeah. Okay. So, that's cool. That's cool.
0: All right. Awesome. <laughs>
1: But I say, you know, when you're getting some thrown at your freaking nuts at 90 miles an hour, you know, 70 times, you know, in the game. And I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to put a pillow down there. you going to have some kind of a kind of like an endoskeletal type of, you know, whatever. man. because now, especially now that I know that you can fracture a testicle, I don't like that one bit.
0: Oh, yeah. I'm going to kneel behind like a little brick wall. <laughs> because i I don't wear my nuts cracked
1: oh my gosh freaking that's awesome wow you've uh, given me another reason to be scared of everything
0: (laughs) exactly it's it's, it's a wonder we ever leave the house i know fear of testicular injury (laughs) but uh this weekend in Mm -hmm. arlington at the arlington virginia american legion hall guess what? what it's the arlington testicle festival
1: a testicle festival.
0: Yeah, a testicle festival took place yesterday. What? Yeah, it's uh, $20, in, Was well, it was, I guess
1: since it was yesterday,
0: uh-huh. $20 in advance, $25 at the door to come and eat Rocky Mountain oysters.
1: So what you're saying is it was $10 per testicle early or uh, 12 dollars per testicle at the door?
0: Yeah, pretty much, assuming that you were only going to eat two.
1: Oh, no, I meant to get your balls in the I'll door. Oh, to get
0: your balls in the door? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, don't, yeah I don't... Hopefully they'll not be eating your balls when you go in. Because because this is Arlington, Virginia, not London, England.
1: <laughs> the testicle festival. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the testival festival. The testival okay. festival. Anyways, yeah, people, people get my joke. They're, they're tired of it.
0: Yeah. Uh, that, that was amusing. So, uh, yeah, if you're in the mood for... I bet you there's testicles. not one
1: catcher that goes to that festival.
0: But see, I wonder now whether they slice them or just uh, crack Ugh. them open.
1: Ugh. I'm not going to wonder that, so I can sleep <laughs> this week.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's how you fry bull testicles—just like crack it open like a fucking egg and fry it or If they poached. keep the
1: testicle yolk kind of soft, well, I guess so I, I, I guess it's a matter of it. preference. Yeah. You know,
0: I like mine sunny up.
1: I'll see. Oh, dude, that's awesome. Oh, I can't believe that goes on in this day and age of enlightenment. What, eating balls? Yes.
0: Yeah, well, you you can thank our friends the Brits for that.
1: Of course. Of course I can.
0: Uh, And you want to do one more? Sure. Uh, Shooting victim's testicle removed. A teenager had to have a testicle removed after being shot in a drive-by incident. Where at? uh, This would have been... Talpo, Taupo
1: Taupo what?
0: I don't know it, The first time I read it I thought it said Tampa So I was thinking <laughs> Florida but.
1: Uh-huh. So okay so
0: but Apparently it was a drive by shooting uh, One of the guys thought he was firing A BB gun But it turned out to be a 22 rifle uh, when... <laughs> so, so it's
1: cool To do a drive by <laughs> BB gun shooting I guess. <laughs>
0: Apparently, these weren't the most badass gang members. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, maybe what? they were in the I'm gang. I'm going to take my Red Ryder and put a pop a cap <laughs> in his ass. Right?
1: They, they were in the JV gang, <laughs> you know. So.
0: Well, yeah, they're only I guess uh, they're 16 but, and 17 year old. Oh,
1: oh my gosh! Well, how much older is a gangster? I think that you probably get over being in a gang when you're in your 20, when you're In your 20s, right? I mean. Twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two. You're starting to kind of realize that. Uh, well, I don't know. I, I mean, I've I've never been in a gang, so I guess I don't really know. But uh, I was in a gang once. Were you? Yeah, uh, it was just me, and uh, I, it sucked. I, I quit being in a gang because when we got together for gang fights, I always got my ass beat, and it was no fun.
0: Yeah, know? which okay? is yeah, which is really sad considering uh, because you yeah, the mean streets of Salt Lake City.
1: Oh, oh, no, no, no. We're not even talking Salt Lake City. We're talking uh, one of the uh, the whitest suburban areas in Utah.
0: So, I, I find that know. hard to believe you grew up in white suburbia.
1: Oh, no. Believe it. Believe it or not. I believe I just,
0: it. You? I'm and, lucky I didn't come home with a and body bag. You Vanilla Ice.
1: <laughs> oh, dude. Vanilla Ice. You can That guy was way too hard for us. <laughs> I, I listened to him, and I, man, I, I peed my panties. You know, just... Here and that. Rolling in his five-point. What? Oh, crap. I got to get into some new pants. Oh, he, was a, he was a real badass, man.
0: Yeah, word to your mother.
1: I remember one time I heard NWA, and I went to a coma for eight weeks. <laughs> 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 oh, man, that's... Paul uh, Tuck the- always, always just is like... It, it always leaves me with the wondering, why? Like, why, God, Why? And, uh, you know, it, it just, it just kind of makes me want to shudder for a while. I'm surprised we can get the rest of the show out after we do a ball talk.
0: Yeah, it, it, but we must soldier on. I think <laughs> maybe we need to take a break, compose ourselves.
1: Okay, I'm good with that.
0: All right, yeah, let's do that, and uh, we'll be back to talk some movies. The Zombie Girls Podcast. Feminist chicks
1: who love horror flicks.
0: My name is Summer, aka Lady Succubus. That's right, I'll suck the life right out of you. Oh, God. <laughs> Already we're going to have the explicit <laughs> warning on. Please oh, oh, go to dirty. You
1: do. <laughs> I you, go do. Like, you go from zero to dirty <laughs> yeah. in about three seconds flat every time. Find them at zombiegirls.com. Zombie, dot com. All right, we're back. Uh, we're going to be talking some vampire from 1932. Uh, it was directed by Carl Theodore Dreyer. It was actually based on a book by Sheridan Le Fanu. Um, let's see. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you a big favor on this. Sure. I want, I want you to... I'm just going to come out, and this isn't typically how we start talking about movies, um, but... On this one, I mean, it's a 1932. It, it seemed kind of a uh, somewhere in between the bridge of uh, the silent movie era and and the you know in the talkies. Um, I mean, I know that uh, you know a lot of the Universal movies were were put out you know even before this, and but uh, this one it was just kind of in the middle. They had some storyboards and also they had, you know there were uh, um, subtitles because I, I this is in German, I believe, um, but let me let me have you if, if I might kind of talk about the plot I, w- I want to kind of get it from your perspective
0: really the, the plot of this movie is almost incidental mm-hmm. you've got a guy who goes to this castle there are two young sisters who are be uh, possibly being afflicted
1: mm-hmm.
0: by uh, a vampire right and it's his efforts to thwart the vampire. That's right. that's pretty much all there is to it.
1: And you know, and that's, and I I mean, a simple, sure. Um, I think though that, that just like you said, the plot was incidental, and I think this was more of a way to highlight. Um, and and l- listen, I mean, I don't I don't claim to know much about Carl, the Carl Dreyer, the the director, or anything like that, but it seemed like this was a way to kind of uh, spotlight. Some of his uh, not necessarily tricks, but some of his techniques, you know, through yeah, through film, the the imagery, you know, some of the it's difficult for me to say how what was, you know, what was uh, cutting edge back in the day. But I mean, there seemed to be a lot of like uh, like dream sequences where the main character, Alan Gray, was, uh, you know, uh, not 100 percent opaque, you know, in, in little dream sequences, things like that. But uh, I mean, is is do you get the same idea?
0: A lot, yeah, a lot of Dreyer's stuff seems to be very much uh, kind of av- avant-garde, experimental type. Mm-hmm. Uh, even the cameras he was using, uh, you'll notice it does feel very much like a silent movie. A lot right. of your exposition is via uh, title car- intertitles, which are pages from a book about vampires, right. which kind of leads you into the next segment of the plot. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was very very much inspired by kind of like the German expressionism, Fritz Lang's camera work. You'll notice that the cameras right. move a lot in this yes. uh, versus you know, the very kind of stagey stuff that was going on at Universal where the camera was locked down, which also accounts for the sound quality. The sound quality, even though even at this time was substandard because they right. were using the lighter uh, more mobile cameras with kind of shitty fucking audio quality. Right. But it did allow for this amazing freedom of movement where you'll see you know shots tracking completely down hallways and switching focus from one character to another. Uh, there's a lot of very surrealistic stuff going on. Shadows that move independently from the... Uh, oh,
1: yes. Subject. The
0: the subject a lot of stuff played in reverse. They even uh, put gauze over the camera to kind of give it this kind of fuzzy, dreamlike quality. Right. It very much, it very much. You know, if I were to pick somebody to remake this today, I would say uh, Don Coscarelli from uh, the Phantasm movies. Mm-hmm. It's that same kind. I, I could like to see what he would do with this material because it is very much that kind of waking nightmare. Uh, well, and it and you see a lot of be- similarities even between this and uh, Haxon, even. Oh, uh-huh. Uh, visually, it's very fucking uh, innovative. A lot of uh, odd geometry, a uh, lot of, again, a lot of shadow work.
1: And it did remind me a lot of, uh, I mean, just like you said, for that reason, a lot of the, you know, maybe the German expressionism or, you know, some of the, uh, some of the the other silent films that we've that we've talked about just i mean it just looked like that um to, you know to me it it, uh, it, it, it it it's funny because i even assumed that just like you said the, the sound quality was so awful that um you know in a lot of times i, I assumed that this movie was older when i watched it mm-hmm. um, but that's because I also assumed that they kind of, you know, how we'd, we'd watched uh, Metropolis or, or some of those other ones where, you know, they've changed soundtracks and, you know, all sorts of stuff. I actually thought that the the audio was, was so bad that they maybe even, you know, dubbed in voices later or something. I mean, wow. it was, it, but, for, you know, but it was still a 19, uh, you know, 1915, 1920 movie. You know, yeah, it,
0: it definitely looks a lot older than it actually is. But again, like I said, they were using experimental cameras mm-hmm. for the time, which accounts for that. Well, and yeah.
1: the,
0: the thing with Dreyer is earlier film, uh, The Passion of Joan of Arc, it wasn't a commercial success, nor was this one. Mm-hmm. However, Dreyer was one of the most influential movie makers of all time. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact... You watch the first 10 minutes of this and then take a movie like Bergman's The Seventh Seal and you're going to see where the one master copied the other. Uh Uh, It's just a, a lot of the imagery in this movie. Dreyer seemed to be more less focused on the plot and more focused not only on the imagery, but the kind of the emotional impact that he could draw from the imagery.
1: And you know and that
0: try I mean, to, to set a mood, I think, mean, because the atmosphere in this movie is very much that of an that of a nightmare that you're experiencing along with uh Alan Gray.
1: This film apparently was um compared to Un Chin and Lu for that reason, just because it's like it seemed like instead of uh, you know I mean there there was kind of a coherent plot, I guess, but you know, it seemed like it was just kind of more of one showcase to another to another you know, of, uh, you know, different situations and, and whatnot. Um, don't get me wrong. I mean, it was, there was some really great imagery. I just, I mean, and I know that we don't really on this movie kind of, we don't really review and we don't really rate these classics cause they are classics, but I had a real rough time making it through this just because I think that unless I, I kind of got, I kind of got lost in the the fact that it was a lot of just maybe experimental things, a lot of things that weren't really, it wasn't really that deep of a narrative. And uh, I, I mean, I got, I have to admit I, I had a real rough time making it through this one.
0: Yeah. It's, it's, I don't even know how to describe it. The plot is, is very bare bones. And it was, uh, uh, as you said, it was based on Le Fanu's uh, part of it was based on Carmilla and I think there was mm-hmm. another short story in that collection. The collection was called uh, In a Glass Darkly,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I believe was the name of the collection, that featured Carmilla, which was also the basis later on for uh, one of our favorite movies, The Vampire Lovers.
1: Oh, yes. In the uh, in Hammer's vampire kind of Carmilla-Karnstein trilogy.
0: Yeah, exactly. And uh, that's something we need to probably delve into soon because I'm oh, dying to watch those again. But yeah, oh, yeah, he kind of he kind of a, a stripped away the the sexuality of it. As a matter of fact, the old woman that is the vampire in this
1: mm-hmm. would have
0: been, I guess, akin to Carmilla's mother in the original story. Oh, huh. And then uh, the buried alive scene kind of comes from another Fanu, uh short story. I don't remember the fucking name of it. So yeah, he just kind of mixed mixed and matched his fucking source material on this. To, and to just kind of create uh, this dream state and mm-hmm. lead you through it with the main mm-hmm. character. There and was in, a couple, in that respect, uh, I think it was very effective. But mm-hmm. at the same time, if your attention strays for the wrong moment, mm-hmm. then you have no it's fucking. Yeah, it's, it's hard to fucking know exactly what is going on with the story uh, because the imagery, you can get so caught up in the imagery that. It, it distracts you entirely from the fucking story.
1: Yeah. There was one thing that, um, I mean, as, I'm, as I'm trying to kind of think about this to talk about it, you know, I was like pros and cons. Um, I think the pros, I mean, other than the than, than a lot of some, than some of the visuals that just kind of seem to be, uh, you know, placed, you know, for whatever reason. Um, the, the, one thing that I did like is when, uh, he, he came upon, uh, Alan Gray, the kind of the main guy in the story comes upon a, um, a book that kind of talks about vampires and it was pretty cool to, to, uh, you know, they read it and it talked about some of the, uh, myths and legends that went along with vampires at that time, stuff like that. And I did think that was, you know, pretty interesting stuff. I mean, it wasn't anything that I really hadn't heard before, but I mean, seeing it was a little bit different than, uh, I mean, I I don't know exactly if any of the rules or anything like that was different, but I mean, it was good to see kind of a different take on it, especially from a movie from that time. Um, But, but yeah, I, I still, I still found this to be very, very boring. Is that, is that just my, my, uh, my heathen response to, to, you know, one of the unwashed masses to this.
0: (laughs) Um, yeah, I'd say probably so. Okay. No, I mean, yeah, like, like I said, there's not much there. And if like the book, for instance, you take that book out of play, then you're probably not going to have any fucking clue what the hell's going on in this movie. Right. Like I said, you know, he, he's having out of body experiences. You've got shadows moving around uh, you've got a, about the only thing that does seem the only segment that seems to make any sense is with when the doctor comes and gives the transfusion and stuff. And you can right. follow that pretty much. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, the next thing, you know, he's being buried alive and having an out of body experience and, <laughs> and you don't really know, you know because you really don't see the old woman kind of interacting with the daughters. And then the, I guess the one daughter and is supposedly inhabits the other daughter or some shit. I don't fucking know. Right. I mean, it's, it's very fucking uh, confusing. And the imagery is just completely takes you away from the narrative. Yeah. And they seem to be at odds at each with each other a lot of the times.
1: Well, but then exactly at the same right. time,
0: you know, like like I said though, you know, if you take a movie like Phantasm, I mean, it makes no fucking sense either. But you're just fucking enthralled by you know the little fucking Jawas and the cool ass silver balls and the well, tall man and all that. And good it also shit.
1: had some things see, I don't I, with. I mean, Phantasm is a movie that I love. And the, I think the, the big the big issue with me on this one is you just mentioned on the head is that you hit the nail on the head when you said that that the visuals were kind of at odds with with the, the narrative. I mean, one of the best parts of this movie is where Alan Gray is having his out of body experience and he happens upon himself in a, in a coffin. And, you know, I mean, that was kind of a cool thing to see. But it's like, really, what did that have to do with anything?
0: yeah I don't he, he just I'm,
1: fell asleep and was or, or was sleeping or, or something he was astral projecting or some crap who knows
0: yeah exactly in the various cuts of this there's little things that change the narrative entirely oh really uh, like for instance, you know at the end you see that there are two different people driving that uh, metal stake into the vampire oh really which cut did you watch by the way
1: whatever was uh, on Netflix.
0: Oh, okay. Um, I don't even know where mine came from. (laughs) (laughs) It's been laying around here for so fucking long. But yeah, I think mine was right around 83 minutes, which I'm assuming would be like most of the cuts that are still around or a combination of like... that was longer
1: than mine. Mine mine was probably an hour 15, something like that, maybe an hour 10.
0: Okay, yeah, so you probably watched what would have been... I think the USA the american cut was around 75 minutes okay and the cut i watched was the 83 minute cut hmm. so so actually right there uh apparently you've got a version where only one person is there driving the stake. Yeah. am i correct Damn. in that or
1: do you i'll be honest what, with you you, you don't I, remember <laughs> at this point i can't even remember by that point i was i was just struggling to finish this movie I, I, you know, typically for classics, I try to you know see the good because obviously it's a classic that I've never seen, and Steven's taking me under his wing to show me these things, and whew. oh, this one, and this one was uh, this one was like pulling teeth.
0: Well, I'm I'm sorry you didn't get into it. I mean, I personally, I'm I'm just a fan of the visuals, and I'm a fan of occasionally there is that movie that David Lynch is one that's great about this, where, you know, fuck, I don't care about the plot, I'm just going to fucking take it for what it's
1: worth. Sure. Well, you don't have to, I mean, obviously, it's, I mean, it could be anything from the mood I was in while watching how late it was, you know, I mean, there's so many factors, but I, I mean, the, the fact of the matter remains that, I mean, after, after, you know, I, I think I'm able to recognize the, you know, the, the, like you are saying, some of the visuals for being, you know, outstanding for, you know, it, it, you, know I'm, you know, and I don't, I, <clears throat> I expect it to, you know, I mean, this is kind of the first one in for classics that I've just kind of all out you know, just just kind of didn't enjoy at all. You know, I mean, I, I see the I'm, good points and whatever. I mean, but yeah, and, well, I mean, it's going to happen. That's yeah, that's, that's
0: the thing. thing. It's going it's going to happen when you when you look at these movies. You know, there's there's a reason they've you know survived the test of time and why they're still talked about today. Sure. Uh, they're not necessarily going to be. You know, while you may be able to appreciate. The you know the technical achievement right. or the aesthetic qualities of it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be entertaining, and I can certainly see why you would you know people would struggle with this one because it is very slowly paced, uh, it is confusing, and you know that lack of conventional narrative.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But uh, historically speaking, it you know, it is only the third. Vampire movie ever made. Right before this was on, before this, there was just Nosferatu, and uh, I think Dracula was yeah, Dracula just be- had come out. Yeah, Dracula had come bad. out, and by the time Dracula came out, this movie was already in pre-production. Oh, huh. So there really wasn't there wasn't a whole lot to go on as far as you know anybody's style to mimic or
1: well we we couldn't we couldn't expect them to make perfection in vampire movies like we have now with the Twilight series. But no, but I, I
0: get your point. <laughs> but yeah, so so from a historical perspective, it's definitely an sure. interesting piece. But if if you struggled with it, you know, there's no way I can argue with you about you know, the what's and why's about it because it, mm-hmm. it, it is a tough watch in places. And if it wasn't your cup of tea, I certainly can't blame you because
1: well, I, I'll tell I can, you I can what, totally you, see that the, side of it. The next movie we have, completely made up for it, so so we're good. We're, oh, really? We're good for this one, yeah.
0: Okay. I guess real quick, uh, a couple things about this. Of course, like we said, Dreyer uh, is considered to be one of the greatest directors of all time. Didn't do a whole lot of work, though. Uh, his movies were few and far between. Mm-hmm. Uh, simply because he was a perfectionist, he often running over schedule and over budget and people didn't want to deal with him because he was difficult. And plus, right. his movies at the time weren't considered commercial successes.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: However, you know, years later when you've got people like, uh, like you said, Bergman was, you know, hugely influenced. And that was one of the first things I did after I watched this, you know, for the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, the second the second I saw the ferryman and the guy with the uh, giant sickle, right? I was like, man, you know that reminds me of the seven seals so much. And I just went and typed in Dreyer and Bergman in Google, mm-hmm. and, it, and it didn't surprise me a bit to see their names come up over and over again. That the one influenced the other.
1: Oh yeah, I you know, and and I mean, I say, oh yeah, as if I like can. Uh, I know exactly what you're talking about, and I don't. But, I mean, it makes a lot of sense what you're saying as far as this being...
0: Not not to, like, put you on the spot, but have you ever watched The Seventh Seal?
1: You know, and that's one that I haven't seen.
0: Uh, Was the other one Hour of the Wolf?
1: No, I haven't seen that either.
0: Okay. Are, it sounds just, like just a couple of uh,
1: other... Uh, picks for a, a future cadaver classics
0: uh, quite possibly we're talking very artsy so i don't know how well you'll get into them maybe, maybe we should do some lesbian
1: vampire talk
0: yeah we'll definitely have to <laughs> put some lesbian vampires in between to kind of buffer <laughs> before we get into sure, like
1: sure.
0: the uh but uh the Seven seal the Im- the imagery from Seven seal probably best known to our generation uh if you saw bill and ted's bogus journey Mm-hmm. where they were playing the games versus against death.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, that was a take on Bergman, where uh, the knight comes and plays chess against death.
1: Uh-huh.
0: And, of course, uh, in Bill and Ted, they play Battleship and Twister. <laughs> and <laughs> this is some really hilarious stuff and uh nice little nod to Bergman there. But- oh,
1: yeah. But That's yeah, what we got to do. Those are classics, right?
0: Absolutely. As a matter of fact, I just watched them again uh, a couple weeks ago. I was just laying here getting ready for bed, and I was like, yeah, I'm going to stick in something you know, just to lull me to sleep.
1: Really? Ended up staying
0: up all fucking night watching uh, Excellent Adventure <laughs> and Bogus Journey again. Nice. Like I said, Dreyer, huge, hugely fucking influential. And uh, this is the first uh, adaptation of Carmela. And uh, yeah, I think maybe for the next one, we should talk about the later adaptation, which is much much sexier.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I could. It's hard to fall asleep during that one, unless uh, unless uh, you, you you please yourself too many times and you have no energy left. But I digress.
0: <laughs> no doubt.
1: <laughs>
0: so um, you're just uh, move on to the next one then. If well, you're a little more enthusiastic about bad it. Seed. The Bad Seed. No, this is a movie, just one of those that's been integrated into the pop culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was remade for TV in 1985, starring the Blair Brown, who I used to have a crush on just simply because of the uh, her uh, snake woman scene in Altered States. Oh, I don't, yeah. I don't, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was all the fuck I can think of when I think about Blair Brown. <laughs> for some reason, I just had such a huge crush on her in the 80s. But and of course, you, you uh, listen. You don't. It's the don't, inspiration for the. Uh, do what? I'm sorry.
1: So you don't need to explain that to anybody. and Justify yourself with any kind of weird crush in the 80s. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. There. How many weird crushes do we have in the 80s? Oh,
1: dude, there were so, there were too many to count. <laughs> like there were so many weird hot chicks, and chicks that were hot only because they were weird, and uh, go off on and on and on. Anyway.
0: Absolutely, and they didn't have to be beautiful. They just had to be there. And,
1: And giant tits. Whoop! Yeah, I was going to say, especially back in the day when when I was that age, if you were female and you didn't have any like hideous like deformity, deformity, and you had all your uh, all four of your appendages, yeah, if you
0: weren't missing like more than two limbs. Yes, exactly. And you didn't have like like three extra breasts growing out of your back, or a vagina. <laughs> Actually,
1: I don't know. I may a giant or may not have cock heard dry,
0: growing out of your forehead.
1: Uh, that that may have been a uh, yeah. That
0: might have been a turn on, yeah. turn off, but uh, not necessarily. <laughs> oh, yeah, uh, but the bad seed was uh, directed by Mervyn Leroy.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, Mervyn Leroy, his other horror claim to fame. A movie called Mr. Roberts, which was, of course, a comedy, but it starred uh, Betsy Palmer. Oh, okay. Who would later go on, of course, to be Mrs. Voorhees. Mm -hmm. But uh, this movie, uh, Nancy Kelly playing Christine Penmark, uh, Patty McCormick playing Rhoda Penmark, and Mm -hmm. uh, I guess the other big name here would be Eileen Heckhart, who played Hortense Daigle.
1: Do you and, know what's funny is I named my left uh, my left testicle Daigle a long time ago. During was, the, do I need
0: in, in to the, ask what the right ones was called?
1: Uh, Smeagol. Smeagol. <laughs> my precious. Exactly. Because, you know, his buddy was named Diagol. <laughs> so it was actually Smeagol and Diagol. Anyway, that's a oh, long story. Oh, dear God. <laughs> yeah.
0: And then you got Evelyn Barden playing Monica Breedlove. Uh, Patty McCormick, she is still acting today. Uh, as a matter of fact, she had a role fairly recently in Desperate Housewives. She was in The yeah. Sopranos. Uh, really? She did six episodes of The Sopranos. She's had a long career. She's got a movie coming out this year. So uh, very, very long and lucrative career for Patty McCormick, who played the psychotic bad seed
1: in this movie. Right. So uh, you want to hit the plot on this? Sure. Uh, before I talk about the plot, though, um, you have to remember is, and this is like kinda, I kind of I kind of found this a little bit. Uh, <clears throat> I'd never seen this before, and I found some of the the um, themes in this to kind of be somewhat not like shocking or anything like that, but maybe ahead of their time. In 1956, I think, first of all, because, uh, I mean, well, uh, just like most 50s movies, you know, we, we uh, well, not most, but some in this situation, there we open up, there's an idyllic home, you know, a husband in the military about to leave his perfect wife and his perfect daughter for some time. Um, you know, I mean, it's like sickeningly perfect. I mean, it's like oh, oh, what was her name? Rhoda. Oh, I've Rhoda. got a basket full of hugs. Do what, what, have a what do you full give? Of kisses. Yeah. What would you give me for a basket full of kisses? It's like oh, it's like are you serious? And, and I remember thinking in the <laughs> beginning, I might have to put up with a bunch of this crap, you know. But you know, thankfully, the you know the themes became dark very quickly, and uh, you know, and it was it, we didn't have to put up with that sickening, sickeningly perfect. Um, you know domestic situation the whole movie but it's kind of funny because they live in this apartment complex and there are some uh some characters some main characters we have in this movie that are they're just kind of like for instance we have the landlady monica who i mean it, one bizarre thing it seems like she can just come around whenever she wants knock once and come in the house uh, they have a mentally handicapped guy in his 40s or something like that just kind of looks like a you know he he's some kind of a handyman. He takes care of the uh, of the property and whatnot. And his name's Leroy. And uh, you know I, I I just thought it was funny because here you have this perfect this perfect family living in one. You have the old <clears throat> pardon me the old landlady, and then you had a, a built-in um, mentally challenged uh, child predator along with this uh, whole situation. But anyways, I'll. We'll talk about that later. But I, like, I don't know. I, I thought that was going to get bizarre, and I'm glad it kind of didn't go the way that I thought it was going to in the beginning. But, anyways, Rhoda is the eight year old daughter. She is, uh, you know perfect in every way possible. If you, you know, on the, on the outside, she loves to wear dresses and have her hair perfect in her pigtails. And, uh, she's very, very polite. She's very, you know, seemingly kind and, and, you know, really just, it's funny because, uh, I think the first red flag would be that she does so well relating with adults and, I don't know. Maybe maybe that's just a weird thing that I have with kids who relate with adults. I figure they're all evil in one way or, or another.
0: Well, I figure all children are evil one way or the other regardless.
1: <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, there you go. Paint it paint with a broader brush. I'm good with that. Yeah, well, huh?
0: <laughs> uh, Well, yeah, cuz we forgot to we forgot to we didn't mention yet that uh, my grandson was born last week. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Evil.
1: Well, the way you were talking, he's he's a he's a perfect child. It's just your kids that are evil. No. <laughs> oh yeah, babies. I oh, mean, I'll tell you what. It's probably better to not to not to get off on a tangent of being a grandparent versus a parent, but man, be able to send a baby home when she gets fussy. I would oh, yeah. like babies a lot better.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. It's it's freaking <laughs> awesome. It's like it's crying. Take it home. Here you go.
1: Yeah. Oh, it oh. stinks.
0: Uh your turn to hold it.
1: Yeah, take this away and fix it. And
0: yeah, bring it, bring it back when it's cute again.
1: <laughs> <clears throat> oh, that's. I wish I could. Uh, problem is, if I would have done that with one of my sons, I still wouldn't have him back. I'm sure. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so okay, so you know, we start to get to know kind of the inner workings of the of this apartment complex, and it's funny because I mean, one of the things that that was really interesting to me in this, in this film, it's just kind of how people related to each other in the, in the, you know, the fifties and how nice and proper and polite they all were. And, and, uh, it's funny cause there was a couple of things too that were kind, I don't know. I, I don't know if I would really call them heavy handed or anything like that, but I mean, there was a couple of themes that were, uh, for instance, um, uh, the the landlady happens to be some somewhat of an armchair psychologist or something like that. And they were talking about, you know uh, how she, you know, she'd like to they were talking about some that she knew freud or she talked to freud and and that how she'd like to uh, i guess kind of not really kind of basically what she was doing was some free association with christine who was rhoda's mother and you know it's just some other things like that and so i mean it's just kind of like when when i saw that in the way they were handling it, i was thinking oh, okay well this is going to be this is going to be heavy with the psychology you know, and, and it turned out to be true because later on in the movie, they, you know, the whole debate between nature versus nurture came up and yeah, absolutely. You know, that was know, a,
0: yeah, that was a huge plot point. Oh yeah. And the well, nature versus nur- nurture thing was, I mean, it was just overwhelming actually.
1: Oh yeah. Well, and, and that's, and that's kind of what I mean. <coughs> and there was, and there was one other part where, uh, later on in the movie and I'm not really going through the plot again, but when, uh, she brings over sleeping pills in one hand and, uh, and uh, the vitamins and the other, and you knew exactly what was going to happen with those, mm-hmm. you know. But, but anyway, I digress. Anyhow, so, after, you know, after a little while, we get to know these people. We, you know, it, the, the it, it's funny because uh, Christine takes her daughter, Rhoda, to a, like a school picnic and whatnot. And, man, I had never seen so many white kids <laughs> in one place in my life. Are you kidding? Yes. No, not I'm even
0: not. your neighborhood growing up?
1: Ooh, there were a lot of white kids. There were just a lot of kids. But Look, let, me, let me
0: ask you this: Have you ever okay. seen any brown children?
1: Have I seen any? Wait, wait, wait! They come in different colors.
0: Um, in some parts of the country.
1: <laughs> <You> jerk! <laughs> I love it. I love. I, anyway, whatever. But uh, you are um, the whitest
0: person I know. You're practically well, transparent.
1: I'm. I'm. I'm one of. You know what? Somebody told me the other day that I'm the whitest person they know because it's like they were joking about how like horror movies are just for white dudes and like heavy metal is just for white dudes, you know, and all sorts of stuff like that. And I'm like, man, you're racist. You're you're telling you, you know me you, because because you know you're 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 saying I'm a typical white person. Man, that hurt my feelings really bad. You know, but then I realized it's true. So whatever.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You <laughs> you you're where all the white people stereotypes come from. I bet oh, you can't dance and have a small penis too.
1: I okay. I'm, see? I'm okay, <laughs> but my balls are gigantic, which yeah. makes the small penis even stand out more. So dang, that's that's not a good thing, folks.
0: Yeah, yeah. fortunately, my junk's all huge.
1: <laughs> oh well, congratulations. I'm glad that, that you don't have the uh, the uh, uh, the ability to joke about your junk that uh, some of the rest of us do. I wonder what that says about you.
0: No, uh, my junk is no laughing matter, my friend.
1: I'll bet it's not. It
0: saved lives.
1: It made people cry. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) anyway, anyway. So she goes, she, Rhoda's dropped off at this, uh, at the picnic at the school. And, uh, oh, Christine has some friends over and they were just chit-chatting and whatnot. And they were talking about some of the, this is when some of the, the uh therapy session from the landlady was going on basically they heard over the radio that uh one of the children had drowned and of course they didn't know who it was so christine uh, you know understandably was was you know freaking out a little bit and then eventually they found out that it was a guy with the last name of daigle and uh which was really weird for me but uh anyway we find out that uh you know, well, well, anyway, Rhoda comes home and Christine's ready to talk to, to Rhoda about, you know, what's, you know, listen, something traumatic happened to you today. And uh, if you want to talk about it I, or whatever, if you, you know, I don't know how you feel about it, you know, and, but but Rhoda came home and, and it seemed like she was more interested in the fact that they missed lunch because somebody drowned and she wanted a sandwich than she did that with, you know, the actual death of a friend. And uh, anyway, uh, you know, I guess. And and really, who can blame her? Well, peanut butter sandwiches are delicious.
0: Yeah, and you know, by God, I, I'm sorry. I don't care who dies. Uh Feed me.
1: Well, how are you gonna mourn on an empty stomach? I don't think so.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's that's (laughs) that's the fucking real tragedy here.
1: Well, Rhoda's teacher comes by the house and basically says that Rhoda was the last person to see the Daigle boy alive and uh, it, it also I didn't mention that, uh, that Rhoda was a little bit upset because she had lost a penmanship medal uh, to this same guy and it co- turns out that later uh, that this boy and she had been kind of messing around and she and Rhoda was going after that medal right before he died and then it came out that one of the lifeguards or whatever they have there, you know, had seen Rhoda walking away from the the, the wharf where uh, the guy drowned. Anyway, one thing led to another. Uh, Christine confronts Rhoda, you know, but Rhoda's, you know, kind of calm and composed in herself. It actually gives Christine, a, you know, a decent response. Um, it, it wasn't until a little bit later where Christine was looking for something in Rhoda's room and found the penmanship award, this little medal that, that uh, Christine started becoming suspicious that Rhoda had something to do with it. And, uh, you know, this is, all the while, you know, we, we see the Daigle boys' mother come over and she's drunk and, you know, and she's just kind of, you know, stricken with grief. And uh, she comes over and kind of makes an ass of herself, but she wants to talk to the girl because it was the last person that saw her and, you know, in this and that. And I, and I think that was, I don't know, it was kind of the, the beginning of the unraveling of the story, everything almost seems so perfect. And then you see this and, you know, and then, uh, um, we find out that later on that, uh, Rhoda actually had something to do with it. Death. And even later, because, uh, Rhoda th- wanted to throw away some shoes that had like a, a moon shaped cleats on the bottom that Christine found out that what had happened is, uh, Rhoda actually beat the kid down until he was dead or till he drown and uh, install, you know, install the, the the award. But I, I found it interesting that her first reaction was to cover it up.
0: Well, what what I thought was interesting about this was the the crazy groundskeeper. And, oh yeah, yeah. You know, yeah there's yeah. there's that whole thing where you know, so, uh, if you've been, I don't know if you've read the Dexter books, but supposedly mm-hmm. psychopaths know their own. Right, And so there, there's this interplay between this groundskeeper who is mm-hmm. a bit of a fucking, you know, he can see her for what she is. Right. And he's the only one who can. And he starts fucking with her by saying, oh, well, they're going to find the stick that you used to beat the little boy with. Mm-hmm. And they'll put this uh, special powder and it'll make the blood turn blue, which, of course, uh, causes her to want to get rid of the fucking evidence.
1: Right. And that's why she gets rid of the shoes eventually.
0: And what I thought, I mean, what was really weird about this was, I don't know the the mother's the mother's reaction was kind of fucking weird to me. It
1: during the during the uh, when she
0: started to put the pieces together. Oh, huh? Yeah the 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 reaction. I don't, of course you can't imagine. Of course, I couldn't imagine what I would do if my kid was a sociopathic killer. Right. But the. The mother's reaction is so bizarre, mm-hmm. but at the same time, she, you can tell that she's under so much stress. The little girl, uh, Patty McCormick, uh, Rhoda, when she convinces her mother, I forget. Oh, when she convinces her that she didn't have anything to do with it originally, mm-hmm. there's just, just this look of smugness on her face. Like I got, uh, tricked her when she oh. turns around and scampers off to the kitchen and she's got this look just like, Oh yeah, I showed her and I was like, Oh my God, this fucking kid is so damn evil.
1: Well, And you know, what's funny is you bring up the groundskeeper. It's like some of my favorite parts were when, when she, when Rhoda was out back or in the courtyard playing and he would come up and kind of mess with her, you know, especially when you're talking about it because I mean, here, here it was that this man was just kind of messing with her and, uh, and she was—I mean, the way she acted and the way she changed her story, things like that. I mean, it was—I, it was really kind of scary to see a little girl be able to do that. I don't know. For me, it was just because it's like—and um, uh, well, there's also a moment where the groundskeeper realized that, even though he was kidding around, that uh, he realizes that. Oh my gosh! You know, this, this girl did it. She actually did it, and he started freaking out you know in in the girl's reaction and the way that he related to her and, and vice versa was was, so, was my favorite parts of the whole movie
0: yeah because like i said he he could actually see what she what he could see right through her oh yeah but at the same time you know he maybe wasn't entirely convinced that well he knew that she was capable of it mm-hmm. he didn't actually think she was guilty and then when she starts going through these different stories, and her reaction, her when I guess he finally puts it together and he says to her, "You know, I was just messing with you. Now I know that you are the killer." Yeah. And the just the look she gives him is <laughs> like, "Holy shit, you're next, dude!"
1: <laughs> well, didn't you? Th- yeah, oh yeah. But also, didn't you think that when they the way they were talking, the, the just the kind of the venom and the hatred that that this girl was spewing, you know, while talking to this, to the the groundskeeper. It's like, oh, she, I mean, you could tell that she thought she was better than he was. And you could tell that she hated him like more, you know, deeper than any eight-year-old should be able, you know, has the capacity to hate anybody, you know, and, and the girl sold it, man. I mean, and that was creepy. And it was also funny because when the mom showed up, you know, at, you know, after, uh, you know, a couple of these, uh, you know, <clears throat> vocal altercations or whatever, you know, Rhoda just said, oh, no, we're, we're just talking. I We started it. I started it. So don't blame him for the conversation and stuff like that. You oh, know, yeah. Just-
0: she yeah. She turned into that perfect little child in, again in a heartbeat. Yes. Yeah. She didn't dis- didn't miss a beat between being the uh, aggressor. Against the groundskeeper, and oh, yeah. you know just being this vile, vicious, heartless beast
1: right and well, then I loved it back man. Back, in, her- back
0: into like the little girl, the sweet little innocent girl, you know is just amazing the transformation
1: Well, and then it, the funny thing is is i, I noticed it as I was watching her act like the perfect little girl while you know after I knew for sure what was going on. I remember just thinking, "Oh my gosh, I want to kill that little, that little son of a," you know. And it, I mean, it, it actually it, it brought out a lot of just like, like feelings of hatred in me. And it was like, "Oh my gosh," you know, and just uh, it pissed me off that she thought that she was smarter and that she was so much better than this guy and and whatnot. And I thought the guy was a creep too, but I mean,
0: oh yeah, he yeah he he was a fucking scumbag. But at the same time, like I said, he's, he's the only one that could see through her and, and you could kind of understand why she would be so fucking smug because every other adult in her life. Right. She has no clue. Yeah. No clue what they're dealing with. The plot goes on, you know, talking that nurture versus nature thing as to, uh, who Christine's real parents were. Yep. So that creates a whole thing.
1: Well, there's also a there's also uh, they talk about a neighbor back in Wichita that 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 was uh, you know had an accident was killed when the only other person around was Rhoda, and so I mean we oh. really started to freak Christine out because it's like you know and she, the way she, the she little girl,
0: and the, and the way she described it she was like yeah she slipped on the ice and fell down the stairs
1: but I meant to slip but
0: yeah but I made her slip. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, my God, it just sends chills down your fucking spine oh, yeah. <laughs> because she she is absolutely without emotion
1: and the, completely and girl, without remorse. The and the then she's start- exactly like that. Like now that we've seen Dexter and whatnot, mm. I mean, she I think she did as good a job as uh, that guy does as Dexter.
0: Oh, absolutely. And then when and she's this
1: little kid, starts talking
0: her. about the landlady, she's going to, this uh, the landlady has promised her a songbird. Yep. When when she dies, she gets the songbird, and then she starts thinking. it uh, starts to realize that the old woman is going to outlive the songbird, right? And and it's you genuinely start to worry for the landlady then. And then because then I thought, you know, the kind of idiot
1: landlady says that you'll give somebody to something that's going to die before you when you die. I thought that was really poor planning by the landlady. I think she deserved <laughs> to die for that anyway
0: yeah really. You don't make those kind of promises, <laughs> and then there's there's a nice little twist ending to this,
1: and you know the but, ending is is somewhat of a of a um i don't know I kind of have a little issue with the ending, but apparently they filmed three endings right and you know, just I guess I don't know exactly why. Maybe it was just so that, that nobody knew which ending was going to make it out in the movie, so nobody could spoil it and whatever. In fact, at the end of this movie, it even came out and you know, in its nice fifties way, said, "Don't spoil this movie." You know, don't tell the ending out of it. I thought that the ending would would have been great. You know, had it maybe stopped. You know, I think there was. I think maybe it was a little bit of overkill. But other than that, man, this movie was a freaking. Well, it was, and it was a smash for me, man.
0: First off, I love the fact that what you think has happened to Rhoda you get that twist where oh well, it's a good thing we showed up when we did, right, yeah, so that completely throws everything back into play versus oh, yeah. the ending you thought you you were at right. you end up at this other ending,
1: but then you and end then, up
0: then then you end up with another ending beyond that
1: and then you and then you end up with another ending. Beyond that, beyond that, Meaning, Right. so we find out the fate of Rhoda, we find out the fate of the mother, and then we find, you know, then then the last thing, because I thought it was over, you know, like you said, I thought it was over, you know, in the in the home, and then I figured when it went to the, oh man, I'm trying to say this without spoiling it, but when when it went to the hospital, I figure, oh, oh man, I'm I'm not going to say it because I just didn't figure what happened to Christine, what happened to her, in the in the very end.
0: Right. Yeah, and and then of course at the the very end, and of course they really lighten the tone in like the I guess post credit sequence where all the cast comes back out. Right. And then you've got uh, uh, Christine spanking Rhoda yeah,
1: for <laughs> some the, funny thing at the end.
0: Yeah, it's just, just to like lighten the mood. But well, you <clears throat> here's here's the thing though with with the Hays Code still in effect. Yeah. There, there, there was a rule. You know, evil must be
1: punished. Right,
0: and so you do kind of get this off the wall kind of so, last so they, shot of the they, movie. They
1: tack on a two minute thing of just craziness. Yeah, <laughs> right at the end, it's like what? After all that, that's how it goes down.
0: I don't, I don't know. It, it was kind of weird, but at the same time, they, you know, the ending that they they have, you. know, uh, the fate of Rhoda right before the credits start.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, that's hinted at back with her conversations and the electric chair and all that. Right. Yeah, you know, so, I mean, that was kind of, that was kind of, you <laughs> know, there there was that call back there, but at the same time, it was kind of like just out of fucking left <laughs> yeah. field. You know, Listen, the, I'm okay. The girl had to be punished, but th- th- at the same time, there's also this thing, you know, where you, they're very much against killing children on screen, so you don't know...
1: Oh, great! Really? Just gave it away. Do gave what? away that she was burned in the uh, the little pink electric chair.
0: Yes, they put her in the little pink electric chair, and that's the way it ends. Right, you know, going back to Frankenstein, ended oh, up yeah. pulling that scene where the little girl was drowned. So it, it, this movie really walked a fine line in 1956 between right. you know having this sociopathic child and how do you how do you fucking punish her? Right. But yet, yeah, at the same time, not show anything bad happening to a child on screen. So right. it had you really, you really walked a fine line. And then, of course, you know the post credit thing—you know, kind of well, like mood how made it. How do you
1: make it? There are very few ways that you can make up that that that, that uh, I, the situation will come up where you have to punish evil cannot go unpunished. However, the evil in this happens to be a child. You know, so, right. Yeah. Uh, so was yeah. a catch-22 so, yeah, for exactly. the filmmakers,
0: and I, th- I think the ending they chose was effective enough for the time period.
1: Sure. It, you, you know, know it you're it not going to go see
0: like something like you know what you saw in the orphan. Right. But right, even right, then, right. you know, there was a cheat in that. But well. but you know, you've got that. Uh, this movie also inspired the Macaulay Culkin, uh Frodo Baggins right. movie. Uh, you
1: know, Frodo Baggins went. Or, uh, I was going to say Frodo which, Baggins went on to make a movie with uh, <laughs> Smeagol and Eggle. <Aguil. laughs> Just say so it out. Know.
0: Yeah, the Circle of Life.
1: <laughs> yep, exactly.
0: Yeah, which I, I really enjoyed that movie too. I, I haven't seen it since it came out.
1: What was it? The Good Son. The Good Son. Yeah,
0: and I really enjoyed I ha- that. I, you movie know what? Too. I
1: have literally hated Macaulay Culkin since that one. I, I he like I mean, he did a pretty good job in it, and I like hate his guts for that. Because every time I think of him now, I don't think of the cute kid in uh, in uh, whatever I love. Home Alone, because I'm a, yeah, Home Alone, which should be called I'm an awful parent. Yeah, which should be called I was Child, a Child Protective Services. Punks. Yeah, exactly. But no, but I don't think of that. I think of him as that little douchebag in that movie. I hated him. But I don't know. I mean, this uh, this movie kind of had the same thing. I just this little girl just got under my skin to the point of maybe it's because I know people who. Who have uh, who are, are kind of like two faced, you know, and maybe I have some deep seated little thing with that, but man, that that drove me insane. She did. I, I got you. Got to hand it to Patty McCormick for for her. It's such a. I mean, even at such a young age, man. Her, I think her, um, regardless of what age she was, her performance was excellent.
0: She she definitely made up for all the weaknesses in this movie because being based on a stage play, it, okay. uh, it with all the stage of... people in it. Yeah, this most of the orig- original stage cast mm-hmm. were in the movie. And this movie does look like a stage production. Uh 99% well, of like the act, yeah, 99% of the action takes place in the apartment, which right. by the way, where the fuck do you find an apartment like that? Well, I mean, the well, apartment buildings I've lived in in my life have been like, you know, maybe 800 square feet tops.
1: Well, you got to realize that those kind of apartments are really hard to find unless it, the apartment complex comes with a pedophile groundskeeper. <laughs> that's how they found it. They're like, yeah, okay, it's a great apartment, but it has a pedophile. Most people aren't aren't willing to make that you know make the choice the other way. I think that's why it was still open for the for those guys to fill it.
0: Well, that that makes sense. <laughs>
1: Yeah, you know, it's funny as I remember when they were doing the actor send off and the silliness, you know, the spanking after the thing. I'm like, man, what, what is this? Like a stage play? Then I went and looked it up, and sure enough, you know, they, they, that's just probably what they did every night to get their bows from the or get their applause from the from the people sitting in the theater. But
0: yeah, come to think of it, that that does make a whole hell of a lot of sense.
1: Yeah, I did like that uh, they were okay with letting a drunkard manhandle their kid for a minute. I wonder how often that happened in the '50s. That, uh, I don't know. I'll tell you what, though, man. I don't know if I would have let my kids play in that courtyard with that guy walking around with Leroy walking around.
0: Yeah, he, he was a scary motherfucker in himself. I, I guess, uh, he got what was coming to him.
1: I guess so. Anyway, man, I, I did, I, this movie was, I, this was uh, this had to be. I mean, it, it was kind of a. I mean, and this is I think what it tried to do. But the whole n- nature versus nurture thing. I mean, it was so sickeningly idyllic in the beginning that you know when when all when the shit hit the fan and every you know the ways things went, it was such a such a difference. You know, such a contrast to to what was what you saw on the screen. It was I don't know. It it it, it didn't shock me, but I was it. I kept having those moments of oh that's cool. You know, type of thing. And it was mostly obviously based on the actors performances, because, I mean, there wasn't really a hell of a lot more going on. Yeah. You know, there was no monster. There was no, you know, like you said, most of it was done in the apartment.
0: Yeah. Just about just about everything that takes place. It's like you hear about it, but don't actually see it.
1: Right.
0: You'll either have them looking out the window, seeing what's going on, or like, you know, the drowning, they hear about it on the radio and then they come back to the apartment and discuss it. Uh, The earlier murder, you know, of course, took place before the movie started. So, really, you don't get to see anything other than the performance of uh, Patty McCormick. And it's absolutely fucking terrifying. Oh, yeah. She's a scary, scary little kid.
1: Favorite part in the whole movie, though? Is when Christine, who is you know, has figured out who her daughter is, and is kind of on a not not really a rampage, but she's kind of speaking. She's punching herself in the ovaries. It's, it's like, wow! Did you not notice that? Oh,
0: now that you mention it, yeah, uh, that's.
1: It's like wow. Damn you, womb! my uterus. Okay, whatever. you betrayed just... me for the last time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought it was great, man. Anyway, good movie I don't know I don't know what else to say about it. I would say if you have not seen this, uh, I'll be honest, I've seen this you know available and I've seen it on Netflix instant for a while. I don't know a lot of these you know 1950s movies that you know that aren't like a monster movie or whatever I um, haven't really I mean and I can't think of any specifically, but it's like a lot of them don't necessarily appeal to me in a way that I would just go watch one. You know, before I would watch a really shitty, you know, crazy horror movie from the 80s or whatever. But this one, this one was great. I mean, I, I, it's, I'm almost sad that I waited this long to watch it, but man, it was, it was a definite treat.
0: Yeah. And, you know, this is one that could have gone south real quick because, you know, it's hard to find, it's hard to find a good child actor. In this case, they really got lucky by having uh, Patty McCormick. great show. Yeah, absolutely amazing.
1: Cool man. Uh oh, we well, got anything else about either one of these shows?
0: Uh no. I think we've said all there is to say, my friend.
1: No, well that's awesome. Um yeah, so uh yeah, we'll uh we'll I'm thinking that even though I gotta admit that this one the, the, the movies for this episode, uh let's see, the because uh the running time for for this movie was what, like two hours and nine minutes or something. And for it being a movie that long, it sure went by quickly, in my opinion. Um. So I mean, so we're thinking. Okay. So we have a hundred and what twenty nine minutes plus the seventy five minutes. The majority of the minutes were great in this show. So makes up for the for my disinterest in Vampire.
0: That's uh, pretty much the same with uh, this episode of Classics. It's probably run like what two hundred and some minutes, and <laughs> 75 and probably, probably seventy five of them are terrible. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, and it put you to
0: sleep. But yeah, fun, what man. you gonna do?
1: Oh, cool. awesome, man. I uh, appreciate you coming on the show.
0: Always a pleasure, my friend.